0: Good morning. morning. Oh my, that little tickle I had in my throat last week turned into a full-blown head cold again. And uh, so if I cough again, uh, I'm sorry. I was uh, spending some time with the Lord this week and I said, uh, is all this sickness, fifth time in a couple months, is all this sickness a demonic attack? And, and you have to understand when I say it, it's not that I hear words, it's thoughts. And the answer was, no. And I'm going, okay, I know what it is. Is it because I'm working too hard? Because, boy, I work hard, eh? I was sure that was it. And I got this thought, no. I was like, oh, rats. And I said, okay, God, why am I so sick? And he, I got this thought. You shook five people's hands, and you touched your mouth or your nose or your eyes, and you got sick. And I'm going. Well, that's not profound or spiritual at all. <laughs> but you know, I love being able to talk with God. So uh, I'm sitting with my wife last night, and, and she, I can't remember what I was doing. She was flipping through channels, and all of a sudden, I hear Charles Stanley's voice. And I keep quoting him every week. I'm gonna have to send him royalties. But I, and I say, wait, wait, wait. We got. I want to listen to this. She goes, No, don't worry, because she knows I do that. And so I'm listening to it. Guess what his sermon was? Listening to God. He had one of the best sermons on hearing God that I've heard in a long time. So if you've been struggling with some of this stuff, Charles Stanley's even talking about it. And Wow, is it powerful. So just look at this week's sermon online, Charles Stanley, and it's called Listening to God, and you'll enjoy it. And it was so powerful, and he too said he doesn't get audible words. He said he had once or twice, but he gets thoughts. God's still, small voice. And I want to encourage you, we've had about... 400 people through hearing God, and I hope you're growing in your reading of the Word and hearing His voice. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think, you who have read Scripture and are steeped well in the church, what do you think the Christian's number one concern or focus should be? I I can almost hear you answering it it's God I remember when my kids were in Bible quizzing if they didn't know the answer they would just say Jesus and you can say that too. it it honestly we must and we have been on a journey as a church last four or five years and we are working harder and harder at both myself first and you secondly to connect with God Do you know what's at stake with you connecting with God? Our unity? The gospel being put forward and pushing back the gates of hell? I'll even go further to say that your joy and your happiness, and I'm not talking about riches and money, that's that's usually a distraction for most. I'm talking a peace, a presence of His, a a direction where you can be sitting and going, God, why have I been sick so much? And honestly, when he answered the, you've shook five people's hands, I actually kind of laughed. I went, okay, makes sense. We can have, all of us, that kind of connection with God. Today's topic, now two Sundays ago we talked about why we as a church have a vision, and I think it was a pretty compelling argument from Scripture that we have this habit of straying off of the good path straying off connecting with God. So we need to really solidify, both personally and as a church, what are we about? And then last Sunday, we looked at our, our first kind of, of our, our five or six points, and the first one is we need to uh, be a church that allows people to explore. Two roses, three roses, 10 roses last Sunday. If we're not having the roses, then I have to ask myself, am I, are we, a church that allows people to explore their faith? Have we set up the water troughs around? Have we created the atmosphere? Have we uh, given the invitation for those that have not yet received Jesus to receive him? And so we looked at that whole explore topic. This Sunday, if you're an introvert, and I happen to be married to an extreme introvert, you're not really going to like the message today. I had uh, Pastor Rod, who was hiding in the back somewhere. He's on holidays till Tuesday. He texted me and said, it wasn't a hard sermon. It was okay. You don't have to say that. But I know for some this is going to be tough because we're going to talk about connecting. And I know connecting for a lot of us is hard. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember years ago, and, and I've talked to you about that old Orchard I saw in Kelowna on a few occasions. And while I was out there seeing this orchard, I met this recluse man living in a little holiday trailer. It was like a 20-foot holiday trailer, no wheels on it, sitting in the dirt. And uh, you could tell really quick that he hadn't talked to a lot of people. In fact, he seemed to even have a hard time even talking. He had given up on society. Now, he had given up years earlier. I found out that he had been living in Los Angeles on the street And then he found out he inherited a bunch of money, came home, and he was living on the land of his family's old uh, orchard land. And I began to talk to him. And I have noticed this about, oh, pretty much anybody that's really disconnected themselves. He had some really weird ideas. Have you ever met a person like that? Do you understand how important we need each other? How key that is to who we are in our own growth. I mean, you, you, you guys, if you see my wife, thank her because you wouldn't believe the crazy ideas I come up with for Sundays. And I bounce them off my wife, and she goes, no, no. I mean, she's an extreme introvert, so she's a good, strong filter. And she'd just say, no, they're not going to take that good. And often I tell her what I do say, and she'd go, why did you say that? And thank her for it. It would be really bad if I didn't have somebody like that. I've got elders, and I have staff. And they're so good I am better together with you and we're gonna look at that whole conversation this morning about connecting with each other and I want to help you with this to kind of get you the now picture and we've been to Genesis 1 and 2 a few times in the few last few weeks picture God creates Adam and you need to understand the setting the Garden of Eden uh it literally was a place where Adam was with God whenever he called out, whenever God wanted Adam, whenever Adam. I mean, there was face-to-face, word-to-word, eye contact, so to speak, between God and Adam. And you get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And you need to understand this that God actually created us to thrive and even survive connecting with others. And you get to Genesis chapter 2, and you're going to see what really is it all about Genesis 2 18 says then the Lord God said now this is Adam and Eve cruising around together hanging out together it is not good for a man to be alone what was he alone no he had God but listen to this I will make a helper who is just right him in fact if you dig into the Hebrew you can even see I will make a helper just like him You see, God understood, because he had created Adam, that he had created inside each one of us, in our DNA, in who we are, that we are better together. When we connect with each other, we are different on purpose. We have different passions, loves, gifts. And this is on purpose so that we are better together. In fact, when we're together, as we're going to see, we grow, we mature, we thrive. So let me ask a question why in the world, why in the world must we connect with others? Why in the world must we connect with others? Well, here's answer number one. We are designed to work together and receive strength and community. Now, fast forward from that Garden of Eden scene, uh, things aren't going really great on the earth. Israel has is, uh, become God's nation, chosen nation, uh, and they're supposed to be ambassadors for God. Uh, and really, that the whole Old Testament gets written. Uh, Israel follows God, falls away from God, follows God, falls away from God. And then along comes Jesus. Now, this was prophesied by the prophets that Jesus would come and that he would take the punishment for our sins, He would actually get whipped and beaten for all that we deserve because of our sins. It even goes on to say that he actually will die and on the third day raise again. Literally taking that punishment of death that we deserve. So Jesus comes along. He lives amongst us 33 years. He dies on the cross. Third day rises again. He ascends into heaven and out of that little nucleus of 11, there was 12 apostles a church begins a gathering begins a community begins and then a few years later there's this guy by the name of paul of tarsus and paul is a religious zealot he is jewish through and through he could quote all of the commandments and he was even a pharisee so this is the kind of guy that would uh, probably tithe even some of his little spice that he had I mean, some of the Pharisees growing into today's age will even walk backwards to church just so they don't enjoy it. This was Paul. This is what he was growing in. And on the Damascus road, he he gets miraculously, unbelievably saved where Jesus speaks to him. And Paul begins to grow in the faith and all the Old Testament understanding and teaching starts to come to light to him. And then he writes a letter to the Corinthian church. Now let me give you the Corinthian church. If you read chapter 1, 2, and 3, you're going to start to see a church that, I don't know if they were recluses out in the woods or what, but they were kind of off track. They were condoning sin. There was a a guy who was sleeping with his father's second wife or whatever it was. and, And Paul's just going like, what is with you guys? And then we get to chapter 11 and we start reading about the communion service that they had. You know, this time where we're supposed to remember what Jesus did for us, that he died on the cross. and third, I mean, they turned it into this thing and they called it a love feast. And it just turned into a big party and they would prepare all this food and people would come early and eat it all and others would come late and could not get none. And it was a real divisive, nasty kind of thing going on in this church. And then you get to chapter 12. This is the early church. This is the early gathering. And in 12, verse 1, he writes, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I admitted to you guys six months ago for the first time publicly ever in all my ministry that I speak in tongues. And I confess to you that I was afraid because it can be so divisive. And to me, it was a thing between me and God, and I didn't need to tell anybody. If you would have asked, I would have told you. But the whole gifts thing, it just becomes crazy. crazy. The people with this gift and that gift, they so quickly... Can you imagine the Corinthians, why Paul wrote it? They easily would have set up, you know, the super apostles and the speaking gifts and, you know, those that speak in tongues as you're reading it through. Oh, they're the great ones. They're the awesome ones. They're the ones that really have the anointing. Or, Or the teachers, they would say, no, no, I've got the teaching gift. And pretty soon, these gifts that were meant for each other, it really began to divide them. So Paul, in the first 10 verses of this chapter... Starts kind of laying it out really hard. Where do these gifts come from? There's one God, and on and on he goes through all these gifts, and then you get to verse 12. Just as a body, he'd already been laying that groundwork, just as a body, though one, so you see me, I'm all by myself, cut off my arm, I'm not a complete whole body, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Mennonites or Chinese, or whatever country you might have come from, doesn't matter, slave or free, religious or not, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. There's a a sense of a unification, a, a oneness that he's trying to get across. Verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Are you following it? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, and I've seen some good cartoons on this, if a whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, every one of them just as he wanted them to be you are here and you are who you are and god has made you that way and we celebrate you and you are a part of this body and this is my concern that's been creeping into the church did you or are you aware that we are in a society that elevates on a huge pedestal individualism in fact some people from some other countries where it's all about the group they don't get us at all Because we just elevate the individual. And it isn't that God doesn't want you to have a brain and to use it and to think it and be a part of who you are and what you've been created. But we are so individualistic. You know what's suffering? I am suffering. Because I can't be everything. Whether I'm an eye or probably because I'm a preacher, I'm a mouth. I talk. And what would I do without my wife who's got ears and listens to me or to some of you that have other gifts. Verse 19: if they were all part, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable you think you've got a low self-esteem about your gifts in the church or even being in the church i just want to tell you please get over it i am hurting and suffering and not growing and not thriving because you are withdrawn do you want to know what the stats are telling us now 50% 50% of the church doesn't show up in any... I'm talking about regular attenders don't show up any given Sunday. 50%. Now, when I first started pastoring, it was about 20% didn't show up every Sunday. Oh, and you go, yes, our grandparents, they were a little bit crazy and religious. If the church was open, they were there. But man, our individualism, we're just walking. It's like, oh, it's snowing out today. Oh, I got a little bit of a sniffle. Oh, and man, I mean, if you're, you showed up work like that, I want to argue with you your number 1 responsibility is connecting with God. Number 2 is connecting with the body. On the contrary, those parts verse 22 of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. I was trying to think for a service, who in the world on staff or who in the church would be the less honorable? I don't know. Somebody that's an armpit, somebody that's a knee or an ankle. Maybe you would think, uh, Brenda, our janitor is the most dispensable. I can tell you. Can you imagine if Brenda and Randy didn't clean the church all the time? How long do you think it'd be before you wouldn't come anymore? Garbage laying everywhere. It smells in here. Furnace never works because Randy isn't as cold. I mean, he's indispensable. Brenda's indispensable. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment... The pastor doesn't need special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be, listen to this, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Wow, to hear Tristan talk about the concern you've had for him, that is the body. Or somebody that's just had a baby and I see on Facebook somebody arranging meals for that person, that's the body. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. And Christ is the head, and we better listen to him. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Friends, we are better together We are better together and almost useless apart. We are better together and almost useless apart. Knowing this, knowing this, it helps us to understand what will make a church thrive. You know, a lot of churches make the mistake, we just need a really good preacher. No, you don't have it. Sorry, I'm not that perfect. Oh, what our church really needs is a best building. We got a great building. That eh, still doesn't cut. What we really need is, what we need is all the little parts of the body. Understanding how important is it that they're here and growing. But knowing this is how the church thrives. If I was Satan, how would I stop the church? How would you stop the church? How would I stop Christian families? I think the answer is pretty simple. First of all, stop people from connecting with God. The God of peace, the God of love, the one who pours into us. You know, take the branches and pull them off of the vine. And then stop the people from connecting with each other. Get them divided over the silliest little things. Jesus' last recorded prayer says these words. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also, not for just the apostles, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them, listen to this, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you understand the principle here? When we are in the Father and He is in us, when we are connected together, then what happens? They will believe in the one that is sent. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be the one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as i have loved you use your imagination and just think about some ways that you've seen the church get divided i'll throw out a few i've seen age differences because different ages tend to have different likes you know when my kids were teenagers i said to them please don't look at my christianity and say i'd hate to be him Because I was already 40 and I was already slowing down. I didn't like the thumping music anymore. I like to just relax and drink a cup of iced tea and sit around and talk with my friends. Do teenagers, as a rule, like to do that? No, they don't. I would say, please hang around with Christians and be a teenager, a Christian teenager. I have seen clothing styles divide churches. Clothing styles. Here's one that just shocked me. 30 years ago, if you would have told me this would still be a problem in the church today, I'd go, there's no way. We're just in this transition. It'll all come about. (coughs) But music styles. Oh, I'm not saying it's wrong to want and like to have an old hymn played. That's perfectly fine. But there are churches that uh, they build whole arguments And it all has, and and seldom, and and I have been challenged with any of this, I will say to people, let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? But music styles. I've seen churches divided over hairstyles. Oh, my goodness. It'd sure be nice if Tristan could just grow some hair. (laughs) Then he could be just like us. Or we could all have dark hair, like Wes, who will be up here in a moment, and you'll see his nice dark hair. I actually saw a church almost divide over paint colors. And I'm not kidding. Can you believe it? Do you think they needed to connect with God and connect with each other a little bit better? I've seen churches divide over carpet color. I've seen churches get divided and people get upset about how to spend the money that you gave to God through the church. I don't know, did we really give it or we still got strings attached? Friends, we're better together. Oh, and it, don't get me wrong, we want your input. And we love and long for your input, but let's not divide over it. It is super clear, point number two, not only are we designed to be better together, that we thrive in community, but we are designed to worship in community. Yes, Jesus did teach that you're supposed to go into your closet and pray. So we're supposed to have that one-on-one connection with God. But Hebrews 10.25 lays it out so clear. Do not give up meeting together. Listen to this really close. As some are in the habit of doing. Is your church attendance or not attending becoming a habit? But encouraging. This is the body of Christ thing coming out. Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you, the day is approaching. And our once Christian country is not doing really well. Oh, and I'm getting a little old and I understand that. But I can't believe in the last five years, the media talks about some things like they're done deals. And five years ago, we weren't even there. I mean, when I read the book of Romans and I I read about people saying up is down and down is up and right is wrong, I'm reading it in the media all the time and I'm going, wow, this is unbelievable. But it says, encourage one another. This is a community, family thing. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, we are instructed to be, in Ephesians 5.18, speaking to one another. Oh, and I know introverts, that's hard. But here's how you can do it. Uh, I, nobody after first service came up and started singing me a psalm or a hymn, but with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, I really believe songs in the Spirit are when God actually says to you, write Tristan an email. I mean, it's sort of like singing to him. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Or, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, listen to this. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. Now, honestly, if I see somebody or if I am hot under the collar about something or I'm really upset and I'm ready to just yell at somebody, I know the peace of Christ is not ruling in my heart. And if you didn't know, sometimes I don't listen to myself, I don't listen to the Spirit, and I lunge ahead with my emotions. I justify my behavior. But most of the time, the Spirit will say to me, until you've calmed down, Until the peace of my, uh, the love and my peace is in your heart, you just back off. And it can take days, weeks, sometimes months. And there's even some things that now, years later, I say, okay, I think I could go talk to an individual about something. And be thankful. Isn't it really hard to complain about hairstyles and colors of paint and all that kind of stuff when you're thankful? I'm so thankful that the young people are in our church or and honestly i was just talking to another pastor about my age and we both were talking about how we so love the worship here at the church and then i stopped and i said i don't know if that's a good thing he goes what do you mean I, i said if us two old guys like it maybe we're missing the mark and maybe i need to ask some teens or young adults is our church music really stuffy are we stuck it kind of makes I like to think that no I'm just really up to date and I'm so hip and cool but the truth is I'm probably not. But if you're thankful It's really hard to be bitter and angry. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Listen to this. As you teach and admonish one another here comes again we're supposed to sing to each other we're supposed to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the spirit singing to god with gratitude in your hearts i sat on the front pew this service especially second service it took about halfway through before things really started to pick up but i can tell you in this service there's enough of you in here I, i i was you can tell my voice a little croaky, but I couldn't help it. I just started joining in to sing with you. I would argue the front pew are the best seats in the place because, man, can we come together and worship him? And that's the way God. Have you noticed this? I've attended retreats. Friday night, the retreat starts. We do the worship, and it's like, mm, it's okay. You know, it can be maybe it's a little more upbeat music or your style, and you're enjoying it. And then you get to know people at the retreat and you're hanging out with them, telling stories. And then Saturday night, the worship oh man, it starts getting sweet. And then Sunday afternoon, just as the retreat's to end oh, is the worship ever incredible? You know what's happened? We've connected with Him and we've connected with each other. That's what worship is. And it's powerful, it's unbelievable. I remember as a youth, just starting to attend church, and I remember I couldn't sing hymns very good because it was out of my experience. (coughs) I have learned those hymns, and I've grown to love them, and I even miss them if they're not sung, but I couldn't at at first. But every Sunday night, growing up in a youth group in Fort St. John, uh, the youth group, winter, summer, spring, fall, rain or not, we'd go out and build a fire somewhere, someplace, on the banks of the Peace River or somebody's backyard out at Charlie Lake, and I remember the song still. Do you remember the song? How many really, you have to be really old for this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Oh, some you got tears in your eyes like me. Oh, here was my favorite one. And we in Fort St. John, you remember that song, It, it, it give me gas in my Ford, keep me trucking for the Lord? <laughs> we had a new verse that we made up, and it was give me wax on my skis, keep me crashing through the trees. And then playing the guitar, we'd be sitting around singing, oh, that was beautiful well there's a reason we don't sing them anymore they weren't that good of songs <laughs> but literally in point number 3 we are designed to grow in community it's the way god made it Ephesians 4:11 spells it out really clear so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers here comes why to equip his people for works of service now if you don't go to church very often yeah this is your guilt week if you don't go to church very often you shouldn't have showed up today because it's a bad one to show up for if you don't come to church very often and you're sitting at home going I just don't know what the will of God is I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing I don't know what my gifts are my life sucks I just can you come to church a little bit more we got some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We have janitors even. And man, it makes this place sweet. And we grow and we thrive to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's how you grow until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. You want to mature? Connect with God and connect with the body attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. you want to have peace? I mean, listen to the idea of community built into this next passage. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Mm, yeah, some of us. Let them pray. Good advice. Is anyone happy? Mm, yeah, sometimes. Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Yeah, I'm sick right now. Let them call the elders of the church. This is the community thing. And even the singing and praying is a community. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, this is somebody else ministering to you. Yes, I could pray for healing. Yes, I could do that. And I would say it'd be somewhat effective. But the way God's designed it, call the elders, call somebody else, lay hands on them and pray for them when they're sick. And if they have sinned, And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I just want to tell you, we just had set free. Here's a little pastoral, and this is one of the ones I should have bounced off my wife because I'll probably offend somebody with this, but hearing God, 400 people have gone through it. Set free, 100 people. What's the difference? You guys all know why. Because I told you that you'd be confessing your sins to one another. Do you know what happened? There was I've talked to ten people in the last two weeks that said, I was not going to go. And, and you understand, and I've said this over and over, if you come to one of our set frees, you don't have to say anything, whatever only you're comfortable with. But when you confess your sin and then somebody prays blessing on you and breaks the tie spiritually and lays hands on you and prays for you, All those ten people said to me, it was so powerful. We are so convinced of this principle that we have a pastor of connections. Yes, we're spending the money that you give so that we can pay this guy. And Come on up, Pastor Wes. Now, if you've met Pastor Wes, the guy is always, I don't mean this in a negative, he's always trolling about, (laughs) and he's trying to see if everybody's happy and connecting. He actually does that. If you've seen him outside, he'll go up. And if you look strange, and I don't mean because you didn't comb your hair, I mean, he doesn't know who you are. And you might go, I've been here for five years. Haven't you seen me? And he'll usually go, oh, I'm so very sorry. But his job is to connect people. And so, Wes, I have a question for you. You're the connections pastor. Why is community so important? Like, what, what is the burning desire?
1: Well, first, I can't imagine that no one likes my hair. I, that's beyond me. Uh, you know, community is is God's design. Uh, you you had laid it out for us all morning that this is this is God's design for us is to live in, to comu- in community, and you know it wasn't uh, it was a long time ago. I was uh, I was probably about eight years old, and somebody said to me, "You know, Wes, we've missed you. We haven't seen you in a while." And I looked up and. I said, you know my name? And, uh, and he said to me, do you know that Jesus knows your name? And so community is so important because it helps us to advance in our spiritual journey. It's the way that God designed it. It's why we have those roses up there. It's because somebody is investing into me, is, is noticing me, and we know your name. And we want to know your story, and we want to share our story with you as well. And lastly, um, we need you. We need you as a church. Pastor Anthony talks so well about us being a family. If you don't come next week, we're going to be missing. We're going to be missing a piece of our family. The people that aren't here this week, we're missing them right now. And so um, we just want to plainly tell you, we need you.
0: And I, I, I will say to you that uh, you can miss church. Don't get it. This isn't a religious legalistic thing. But I just want you to understand the principle behind what the Scriptures teach. We're better together. And my goal as a pastor, we keep working, we talk about this staff all the time. I want to make this experience so positive for you and so uplifting and so soul-filling that you can't stand missing you just feel like something's missing in your life. So we keep working at that. We have done different things. And, and Wes, and I want to ask you just what the things we're doing. What are the ways that we can grow in community here at JPack? What are we doing to help that?
1: Well, let me help you. Um, you cannot miss church. That is, uh, we'll, we'll correct you right now. We want you to be here. Because, uh, like I said, a part of us. Is oh, come missing. on! I was
0: giving them excuses, and now you're taking away.
1: There's no excuses. So there's two ways that we want you guys to uh, to connect with us, and it's not a either or. Pick the best one. It's both. Uh, first is sections, and so the colors that uh, you see around our auditorium, with um, in the pews in front of you, that's a section that you belong to. Uh, we want everyone to feel like they belong because you do, because this is God's place. And uh, at one point or another, each of us were new in this place. And uh, sometimes this place can feel big. And this is a way, one way that we can feel small. And so uh, we've, we're so passionate about this that in the, the last 10 minutes of our service, when Pastor Anthony says, fellowship in peace, we're, we're going to lock the doors. Because it's for you to hang out. It's all the stuff that Pastor Anthony talked about today connecting with each other and praying for each other and sharing our lives and, uh, and being a family. And so please hang out. Our kids' ministry is committed to this as well. That, You know, they know that once uh, Pastor Anthony says the magic words, then they know that they're going to be in here 10 more minutes. And we're going to hang out with your kids and love on them while you guys get to hang out and connect with each other. And secondly is life groups. And so we, we, we believe that our journeys are advanced uh, best when we're with a group of people or when we meet with regularly and so uh, if you go to gpack.life on your phones uh, you can sign up for a life group there we'd love for you guys to to hang out with us
0: thank you very much Wes let's give him a hand <laughs> I have never said this publicly but I'm about to uh, tell you something that I observed when I first got here When we were in our old building, and maybe it was just because I was new and everybody just couldn't wait to get away from me, I'm not sure, but when I used to say the benediction at the end of the service, I could lock the doors within 10 minutes. It was like I'd shot a gun, and it was a race to get out of there, out of the parking lot and stuff. Do you know, sometimes I can't lock the doors here till three and I'm on lockup today, so please don't stay around that long, but. (laughs) You know, we're better together. We're better in community and you know it's not easy confessing it's not easy being accountable to a small group of people in a life group but i want to tell you you will thrive and you will grow and and maybe you've been to two life groups and you go i just don't fit try a third one maybe a fourth one if you're heading on to the fifth one look in the mirror and do some counseling or something because maybe it's you But I just want you to understand how we're so much better together. Our Sunday school has small groups. If you go into the classes, they break the kids into small groups. Our junior high, when they do their teaching sessions, they break them into small groups. Our senior youth have small groups. Our seniors have life groups. We believe in this stuff, what the Scripture teaches. We are better together in community. And we are committed to that as a church. We are committed to reaching the lost and we are committed to work together. And for even the least important of you, the ones that think you're nothing and that you don't matter, I want to tell you, you do. And I want to ask you, are you connected? I have just three quick points in conclusion. Our culture worships individual rights. Not that it's bad to empower you to have your own brain. And so don't misunderstand me. But the side effect of this extreme individualism, especially in this day of YouTube when you can just sit in a dark basement and listen to some, oh, I just heard somebody describe it to me recently, uh, influencer. You're listening to this influencer. And I've just been reading too that influencers are, are more powerful now than anybody on a movie star or a sports figure. These influencers, they have like 10 million followers And I ask sometimes people, so who are you listening to? Oh, uh, this girl, she can tell me how to decorate my shoes and how to put a hat on and stuff. Oh, that's cool. What else do you learn? Oh, I learn about life stuff from them. And I go, so the person that can dress well, they can tell you about life? And I go, there's some good stuff. We're on YouTube, so I better not run myself down too much. But the side effect of individualism is stagnating us. It's really hurting us. Uh, point number two, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And number three, community is always best. Community is always best, and it's in our DNA. It's how God designed us for growth, how we're supposed to learn and teach one another. But our pain often from being in community It keeps us from being in community. We're we're so hurt or we've been so abused or we've been treated so meanly or or we've just had a really bad experience. And it really, that, that kind of fear, those hurt and those pains. Let me just encourage you to go to Jesus and to the cross. Get some healing. Oh, we got soul care coming up in April It's so perfect for that because our individualism is stagnating us as a church. And we in Canada, where we used to have 40, 50% of people that called themselves Christians, I think it was even higher than that. I just saw a couple weeks ago with PR, PRBI, uh, they were up here, and they, I think they said 11% attend church every week, that's it? Do you think we're in trouble? Let's renounce the lie and start to serve one another. Serve one another and ultimately grow. We're going to grow as we work. And, and I just want to close in prayer in a moment. But I just want to ask you. Uh, I, I know you have all your reasons. And like Charles Stanley, go to him and ask him about him. Go ask God. He might surprise you. You might go, oh, is the church just full of a bunch of hypocrites? Ask God. I have a feeling what he might say to you because I know what he says to me yep you're the first of them but just talk to him and connect up and be a little more committed to church and you're wondering why your life feels so empty it could be that you're not here I mean we're trying to create the structure and the environment that it's a safe place here we're working hard at it, it isn't always perfect and I sometimes am not perfect But let me tell you, then we are walking with God and the peace of Christ is in our hearts. It's amazing how we can do stuff together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one of the parts of the Trinity, Father, (laughs) we, we know from Scripture that you appear to be the first and foremost and the head of the Trinity. And Jesus Christ comes from you and the church he's in charge of the church and he died on the cross and holy spirit you have come to indwell and we know that in the book of genesis the holy spirit was hovering above the waters and creation and we know from hebrews that jesus was there at creation oh god it's so incredible the unity that you guys have we want to have that as as jesus you are in the father and the father is in you we want you jesus to be in us holy spirit fill us empower us overwhelm us and god may we be with each other May we understand this principle that we grow in community together. We do better together. We accomplish more together. We have power and force together. And oh, I know how the devil wants to divide us. He wants us to get caught up in lots of (laughs) sub-issues. There's so seldom that churches ever divide over real substance. In fact, I have a hard time even thinking of any times. Oh God, let the peace of you, Jesus, rest in our hearts. Uh, Convict us on how we can go deeper and grow more. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.